This is Keep Up. I'm your host, Cynthia Dill. Today's guest is Emily Kane, the executive director of Emily's List. Emily Kane spoke to me by phone on April 24th, 2020. Welcome, Emily Kane. Thank you so much, Cynthia. It's great to be on with you. Well, first and foremost, how are you and your family uh, doing during this pandemic? Thank you for asking. I, I'm good. Uh, Danny and I are here in Orono. I feel very lucky to be in our house with our dog, uh, and I feel very fortunate to be in that position. My family is good. Uh, my my sister, who lives in New York City, had uh, COVID-19 and is thankfully on the backside of it now and doing much better. But there, there's no question this is a surreal time, and it's a time that, for me, has made me reflect on how grateful I am to live where I live and, um, and and be part of the communities that I'm a part of. Well, I'm grateful to you, and I know Maine is very proud of you and your achievements. Congratulations you. on your appointment to the Board of Trustees. But I want to get oh, to... You. Yeah, I'm you're welcome. About that yeah, I, I bet. Being on the University of Maine System Board of Trustees is really an opportunity. I am so grateful to the governor for that, and uh, I'm excited to be on the board, uh, particularly at this this moment in time. Um. Well, your work now as the executive director of Emily's List is um, exciting. And I know from um, reading and listening to your interviews that a, a top priority of Emily's List is to elect Sarah Gideon to the United States Senate. So I wanted to first talk to you about that because um, I think it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on why Emily's List focuses on uh, defeating Senator Collins, who is a woman who was elected and who is pro-choice. So first, if you could just, why is it that Emily's List is uh, making the defeat of Senator Collins a priority in 2020? Well, so it, it starts with what our mission is. Emily's List is actually celebrating our 35th anniversary this year. And since day one, our mission has been to elect pro-choice Democratic women to office, up and down the ballot. And in our 35 years, we've elected 150 women to the House, 16 governors, 26 senators, um, and more than 1,000 state and local officials across the country. So quite frankly, this is what we do. And when we look at uh, the priorities for any given election cycle, there's no question when we look at 2020, our priorities are, of course, to hold the House, with which Emily's list worked so hard and effectively flipped in 2018 with the largest group of the most diverse women we've ever seen in our country's history. Um, But when we think about 2020, we see the opportunity to flip the Senate as being crucial as we work quite frankly to save our democracy right now. Our democracy is under threat with the Trump administration, and we need to make sure no matter who the president is, that they have a functioning Senate. And with, with Mitch McConnell in charge in the U.S. Senate, you don't have that. And America is in a bad position because of the current state of the Senate. So that leads us to Maine. So when we look at the map of Senate seats that are available this year, there's no question the Maine Senate seat being up for election puts it on the priority list from day one. When you couple that with the fact that Senator Collins has let us down on the tax bill, let us down on Kavanaugh, let us down on impeachment, and you Combine that with looking at the strength of Sarah Gideon and her work, whether it was under Paula Page or now under the Trump administration, leading our state through 
difficult times in a way that's been effective and worked across the aisle and focused on growing the economy and focused on the best interest of Mainers, quite frankly, the, the summation of those things is obvious. Of course, we're here supporting Sarah Gideon to flip the Senate seat in Maine. Now, what do you I mean? Do you think Senator Collins is going to enjoy an uptick in her approval ratings as a result of her negotiating the PPP and other um, bailout type stimulus bills that that, you know, the Congress has had no trouble increasing our deficit by like three trillion dollars to pour money into this crisis? And Senator Collins is really on is like the face of it in some respects. Is that a concern to you in your efforts to defeat her? Uh, there, uh, let me be very clear that the, the first priority for all of us is making sure that our country can come out of this pandemic. So every member of the Senate should be working in, in, with that focus right now, the same way every governor across the country should be working on that uh, as their focus right now. And so th- there's no question we want to see we want to see our country succeed, and therefore we want to see the House and the Senate and the, and the Trump administration work together to make sure our, our small businesses, our healthcare workers, and our communities get the support that they need right now. You know, um... I think, but I think when you think about what happens, there's a long way between here and November. And when people vote in November, they're going to have a lot of things on their mind. And I don't know what those are yet, honestly, because... It's, uh, it feels like a long way away, and right now everything in the news is pandemic, and, and it should be, right? It, it, this is a really important and difficult time. Uh, and so I think as the campaign goes on, we're going to see Sarah make her case. Uh, we'll see Senator Collins make hers, and I think the good news is Sarah Gideon is offering the kind of leadership that is not only good in a, in a tough time like this, but has has proven itself to be strong and effective uh, in good times and bad for our state. I made the case in a podcast uh, for what I think is an argument a lot of suburban women have in supporting Senator Collins, and that is that if the goal ultimately is to have power, is to have women in power, and Susan Collins is the 12th most senior member of the most powerful deliberative body in the world, uh, and she's pro-choice, um, People just are the approval rating of political parties is quite low right now. So um, people don't necessarily care if it's Democrat or Republican. Is there some reason in your mind why the Democratic Party is um, is is I don't know is is should be the choice for women who want real power? Uh, well, this is this is a matter of looking at the party priorities, right? When you think about um, the platforms of the Republican Party. On the platform of the Democratic Party, there's no question women, and quite frankly, women, working families, the environment are all left behind in the Republican Party platform, which is blatantly anti-choice and anti-woman, anti-reproductive health care. And you see Democrats who, who have a, a foundation of values that to me, and I think to to those of us who do this work and who've been on the policymaking side, like you and I have, um, and who've been also now on the political side, like you and I have, um, that for me, it comes down to those values and that platform. And the Democratic Party is, is, the, is the party 
that is there for women and families, that is there for working Americans across the country, the hardworking people who get up to, to you know, go to work every day and who are living paycheck to paycheck. The Democratic Party is the one supporting small businesses, supporting the environment. And so for us at Emily's List, we from the very beginning have supported pro-choice Democratic women. And for us, the concept of being a pro-choice Democratic woman is not just about policy standpoints. It's about the values and, and the way you view the role of women in, in the world, which is ultimately to trust them to make their best decisions and to understand that women deserve to participate fully in our economy, fully in the workplace, fully in our educational system, fully in our healthcare system. And the Republican Party simply doesn't see it that way. So when you think about the fact that in order to get things done, you have to have the numbers in the Senate. And right now, the numbers add up to Mitch McConnell, and therefore the numbers do not add up for women and families. This year, or it seems this cycle, Emily's List is putting a big focus on states and state legislatures. And I'm sure it's no coincidence that it's also the year of the census. Um, what are your what are your goals in that regard? Have you uh, deflected away from the national races and and really focused on the states? Are you doing both? What's going on there? Oh, this is an all of the above situation. It's very exciting for me, right? Having spent ten years as a state legislator, it's really exciting for me that Emily's List has grown our state and local work, which we've been doing for more than twenty years, but has really expanded it. We started this effort in twenty fifteen with an effort called Focus twenty twenty, thinking about redistricting primarily and when you think back to 2010 um, and the republican the republican wave that struck then we ended up with a lot of unfairly drawn gerrymandered maps across this country and the only way to do something about that is to draw fairer maps this time and we believe in order to do that we need more state house chambers led by democrats and with more pro-choice democratic women in those caucuses so we started this effort about five years ago to grow and expand our state and local work. This year, we've announced we're committing $20 million to state and local races around the country. That's on top of the money and the efforts we will put in to the Congress, to the House, to the Senate, to the governorships around around the nation. Um, we are focused on recruiting so that we can hold and flip key legislative chambers in states where legislatures play a role in redistricting. So just last cycle, you saw us involved here in Maine to flip the Maine Senate. You saw us in Virginia uh, last year successfully flip both the House and the Senate in Virginia. And and now we're seeing the results of that as they've worked to expand health care, work to expand voting rights, and get ready for redistricting. So yeah, you're right. There's Of course, there's no coincidence here. This is just a direct correlation between um, the census being right now and the, the redistricting that will come after the 2020 election. And we want fair maps, right? We want to be able to compete in fairly drawn maps around the country. Uh, and that's why this is, of course, a priority for us. Um, I just couldn't help but think that um, one of the reasons why Emily's List is able to spend so much money that you raise is because of a decision actually authored by Brett Kavanaugh. Um, it was like Emily. It was just a case I happened to stumble across when I was getting ready for this interview, and I'm sure you know about it. And and I'm just curious when Emily's list came out opposed to the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh. Did that come up in conversation? Like, well, he was with us in our case. Maybe we should cut him some slack. Well, no. I mean, no. The the the, the case you're referring to is, uh, I believe, um, 
the one that that's about sort of how we function as a, how organizations like us function as PACs and with super PACs and and how how the money all works and it's it's all very transparent through the Federal Elections Commission. Um, quite frankly, that was just the right decision uh, in that case. And when we look at Brett Kavanaugh, there is a long list of reasons we were uh, we were you know opposing Kavanaugh, um, including and primarily the risk to women's reproductive freedom based on his stated positions. So, no, that was not a hard choice for us, <laughs> even for, for a second. Now, Bruce Poliquin, your arch nemesis, for a little bit anyway, uh, just launched a website that is obviously political in nature. It doesn't indicate which office he is seeking, but it's pretty obvious that he's going to be running for an election. What do you think he's up to? Honestly, I have no idea until you just said that. I don't think about him. So, um, but, but <laughs> yeah, you'll have to never, check it out. It, it would never. I probably won't. It will. It would never shock me that that Bruce Poliquin was thinking about getting back to running for office. You know, he uh, that is kind of his thing. Um, and before he won his election in uh, in 2014, he had certainly already run a number of times for a number of things. So it is it is no surprise to me that he would be. Uh, looking to get back in in that circuit uh, again. Uh, it's, it's not a surprise even a little bit. Now, the Democratic uh, nominee for president, or uh, Joe Biden, has uh, committed to putting a woman on the ticket. And, um, and of course, that's great news. I'm curious. It is was, great news. Yeah, so was there a negotiation? Like, did he come to Emily's list and say, hey, I, like, how did, how did that happen? Do you know? Uh, you know, I will say, I, I don't know exactly other than uh, it's the right thing to do. I mean, I think when you look at uh, since uh, since and before Donald Trump was elected, the way that women have been rising up and the difference that our women leaders have made across the country at every level of government, right? We see it right now with our mayors and our governors who are in executive positions. We see it with the remarkable women who ran for president, particularly the four senators who ran for president this year and the, the striking and powerful difference they made in that primary. Uh, I think the answer is, is sort of how could you not? So to me, it was obvious, though it was very exciting when in that debate he stated so clearly that he intended to have uh, a woman as the vice president. And, you know, our answer is, of course, and this is overdue, and we're very excited. Do you uh, have about, a favorite? That, that all, well, you know, it's funny. Almost all the people on the lists, right? So this isn't from the Biden campaign, but you see the lists in the press about this person or that person. And whether you're talking about Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren or Stacey Abrams or, or Amy Klobuchar or Val Demings or Michelle Lujan Grisham or Catherine Cortez Masto, the list goes on and on. Um, I'm really proud that nearly all of the women I've seen on a list are women that Emily's list was instrumental in electing and supporting. So it really, to me, is a, is a testament to the work we've done to change the face of government. And we're nowhere near done yet, right? It, it's still women face so many obstacles, sexism, unfair judgments based on their gender when they run for office. But when for Emily's list, one of our main ways of, of combating that has been to simply win elections and sort of force the change, force the aspiration that young girls and young women across America can turn on the TV and see that leadership looks like them. And that was what was so striking about 2018 when we elected that very large and diverse group of women to the U.S. House is that almost every child across America can look on TV and see 
somebody who looks like them in government. And so how exciting will it be when we eventually have a woman VP uh, this year for us to rally behind? I quite frankly can't wait. And any of the options on the list would be great for me. Well, Emily Kane, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And just last question, seriously, if people do want to get involved, even when they're in quarantine with the election, with the work that you're doing, what's the best way to do that? The best thing to do is go to our website, emilyslist.org. Right now, we are working with our candidates and and doing trainings and uh, best practices on how to connect with people in the digital age. Um, I would also encourage people to get involved locally. If you are uh, ready to sign up to support and volunteer remotely for the Sarah Gideon campaign, you should do that. Um, You also could volunteer for local state state senators and state representatives who are running this year for re-election. It's, it's never too early to get involved. And if you have some spare time during your quarantine and, and time at home, this is a great way uh, to reach out, connect with, with your neighbors, and help put good people in office. Emily Kane, thank Thanks you so, so much. much. Take care. Have a great day. Thanks.